You listen to me. You're Nick fucking... Whoa, Cage! Hello and welcome to the Nick fucking Woo Cage cast. My name is Rob Humphrey and I'm joined as always by Cat Valor. Cat, how are you? Doing good. Um, excited to be here, as always. Yes. Talking to Cage. We are. We're going to be talking about uh, the 1999 Nicolas Cage movie, uh, Bringing Out the Dead. And we'll get into that here. And just a few. I've only got one thing for Nick Cage News. I don't know if you've found anything for Nick Cage News or not. And this isn't much. Okay. Um, but apparently he, uh, he did an interview in which he revealed that he turned down major roles in both The Matrix and The Lord of the Rings because he wanted to be with his son, who was young at the time. I will say, um, as a big fan of both The Matrix and Lord of the Rings, I, I very seldom say that there are things that can make either one better. Uh, Nicolas Cage might have done it. Like, I respect his decision. I'm glad he had time with his son, who was mm-hmm. small, you know. But man, do, do we know who he would have been in either no, I was just looking through this article and I, it doesn't mention it. He just says that he turned down uh, roles in both uh, movies. He didn't want to go to New Zealand or Australia for three years um, because his son was was young at the time. He didn't want to miss his son's childhood. So, But no, it does not say which roles. Um, I choose to believe. I know it's wrong. Wait, but wait, I wait, wait. Lord oh. of the Rings. So here it says Nicolas Cage turned down Lord of the Rings Aragon. Aragorn? Aragorn? Yeah, whatever. I don't know. Whatever nerd name that is. (laughs) That's who I was going to say I thought he would be. That's amazing. That would have been, oh, that would have been so good. Yeah. I don't see who or what role he turned down in the Matrix. I'm assuming the Keanu role. I don't know. That also, (laughs) it would have been a very different movie. Yes. I think I might have liked it better. Oh, well, see, I mean, I don't... The, the first Matrix was good. <laughs> Everything after that was garbage. Th- that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, you know where I stand on the Lord of the Rings movies. I uh, think it would have been a really interesting, like, take on the... I, I think it's hard because I am someone that does take Lord of the Rings, the trilogy of movies, not... Mm-hmm like the prequels or the show but I, I take that original trilogy very seriously and i think i would have had a tough time doing that if mm. nick cage were aragorn but that being said it might have been worth it just to have that trade because can yeah. you imagine because um yeah that just that energy brought to like a high fantasy <laughs> movie <laughs> i think just would have been incredible <laughs> yeah um, yeah, you know, uh, fuck Bilbo Baggins. That's what I always say. Um, <laughs> uh, this yeah. isn't a bit. He does always say this. Yes, I do. 100, 100% of the time. Yeah. Uh, that's all the news I had. I don't know if you had anything for, for this or not. I don't have any news for this, but I do just want to express some appreciation to the listeners of the show mm-hmm. and the vague fans of the show uh, our numbers suggest that maybe not everyone that participates in the show listens to every episode Mm -hmm. but we appreciate you i had a lot of people this week uh more than i thought knew about this show 
send me the Baldur's Gate thing from last week oh. to talk about. So. All right. Well, that's nice. Yeah. People so, reaching out. Sure. You know, we did already. I, I, I don't know if the episode, I don't know if they hadn't listened yet. I don't know if they planned to listen, but a lot of people thought it was really important that we talk about that. So I just wanted to yeah. say thank you to everyone that sent it out to me this week. Yeah, um, sure. Always appreciate you know. that sort of stuff. Uh, we don't see everything that comes out as much as we try. So uh, anything that you come across, send, uh, send it my way, send it Cat's way, whatever. We'll take a look at it. Maybe we'll get to it. We were talking about on the show, you know, news, it's, it's a weekly show about one guy. <laughs> so news isn't always, uh, always filled to the brim. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. but, uh, so yeah, certainly any, uh, anything you come across, we, we would appreciate. All right. Are you ready to get into bringing out the dead? I'm ready to get into bringing out the dead. Six too young. Six too young is here, baby. <laughs> and I'm gonna take care of you. Thursday started out with a bang. Heat, humidity, moonlight, all the elements in place for a long weekend. I was good at my job. There were periods when my hands moved with the speed and skill beyond me. How long have you been doing this? Five years. Wow, you must have seen some things, huh? In the last year, I'd started to lose that control. I've been seeing the ghosts. You ever notice people who see things are always crazy? Mm-hmm. I just needed a few slow nights, followed by a couple of days off. There's a double shooting, 41st and 8th. What happened to chest pain, difficulty breathing, fractured hands? Don't even slow down, just keep on moving. Nobody loves me, Chris. You have the power, Jesus, to spare this worthless man. Rise up! And you guys are good. I'm on my way out. Anytime now. Nobody gets fired, son. Look at me. You swore that you'd fire me if I came in late again. You swore it. You swore it. I'll fire you tomorrow. Old man's a bus driver, mom a nurse. Sort of born to it, I guess. Rule number one. Don't get involved with patients' daughters, you understand? Our mission to save lives. Blast off! Help others and you help yourself. That was my motto. I understood how crazy it was to think this way. Then something good will happen. Everything just glows. Here's to the greatest job in the world. Frank! Are you okay? Never felt better in my life. How are you? I'm good. Good. You can't put Bringing Out the Dead was released October 22nd, 1999. Uh, it uh, had a budget of $32 million. The box office was $16.8 million, uh, making it one of the rare flops directed by Martin Scorsese. Um, it also stars, uh, well, Nicolas Cage, Patricia Arquette, John Goodman, Ving Rames, and Tom Sizemore uh, in this movie. What did you think of Nicolas Cage in Bringing Out the Dead? I was not, I, I will be talking about this later. This is the hardest time I've had scoring anything, I think maybe ever on the show. 
Um, Because I have a lot of opinions about the movie. I have a lot of opinions about Nick Cage in the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of hard to put into words. I think maybe too much. I like, I can only assume because it's Scorsese, like that Nick Cage was doing the thing he was asked to do. Mm hmm. But it did not work for me. Oh, wow. Um, I, I think there was a, a... There were a lot of conflicting emotions. And that's something that we have seen Nick Cage do better in dumber movies. <laughs> which was sort of frustrating to me. I'm not going right. to lie. I mean, I, I guess I can kind of see that. I really enjoyed his work in this movie. I thought he was great. Um, I like to, to see this sort of slow unraveling of this character. Um, and then occasionally throughout spots in the movie, he kind of manages to put himself back together a little bit only to unravel that much more. Um, I like the performance. I like the, the energy that Nicholas Cage gave. I like the fact that, uh, the structure of the movie is such that Nicholas Cage has, um, trades off co-stars throughout the film, essentially. Yeah. And that he plays his character slightly different based on who he's with. That um, is nice. That's like a good nuance because I yeah. think you react differently to other to like different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something that I noticed. Yeah. Um, of the three, I think that um, I think I like the chemistry that he had with John Goodman the best. Um, I did Which enjoy a- him and Ving Rhames. I did not care for the chemistry that he had with Tom Sizemore, really. You and I are on the same page there, um, like in ranking his chemistry yeah. with people. Um, I, and I would go ahead and put his chemistry with Patricia Arquette, I think, at the bottom of that list, which is a problem um, that we'll get into, I, I guess, with that. But I, it, when it comes to his like uh, driving partners, uh, I, I felt kind of the same way. It was an aspect that was frustrating because I liked that chemistry with John Goodman so much, and I wish that we had like it, it was frustrating to get further and further away from that i felt um yeah i think that and i don't know if that was by design because it seemed like he had less chemistry uh the further along he went but also the characters um like i liked ving rames character he seemed like a fun guy mm-hmm. um and but I didn't really like the Tom Sizemore character. So by the time we got to him, you know, it was uh, sort of I, I don't know. I, I just didn't care for the character. So it, it, I didn't want to see him on screen more. Nothing against Tom Sizemore. I just didn't want to see that character on screen anymore than we already had. Yeah. Um, so that that may have had something to do with it too. Also, funny that you mentioned that Patricia Arquette and Nicolas Cage did not have much chemistry in this film, as they were married for a little while. In uh, real life. I, yeah, I um, can understand why that maybe didn't work out <laughs> based <laughs> off of their showing here. All right. I didn't think that they were bad together. Um, I, it certainly wasn't the most electric thing I've ever seen, but I didn't think, I didn't think they were bad. It was, uh, and we've talked about this before, how I, I don't always need to have like romantic things in a mm-hmm. movie like that's a subplot that i just don't always feel yeah. needs to be there um this was one where it's like i don't even know if you can call it like i i think they maybe did a good job again hitting that weird kind of vibe 
for for what is going on with the rest of the movie but i just really felt like this was strained uh those were my least favorite parts of the movie because it was like I, do we need to have this here you know mm-hmm. like that's that's a good point we talked about that with um snake eyes how we there was no yeah. need to have that romantic thing and and we were both actually kind of glad that it didn't come up until the very last scene of the movie when it came up yeah Um, and i think in this movie you're right it i don't know that it's 100 percent necessary they could have just been friends or she could have just been someone that he was looking after yeah and there are Um, so many people in this that pop in and out that i feel like the structure could have really supported this not having to be a romance and i think if they had been just like friends or like thrust together awkward acquaintances Mm -hmm. like that relationship would have been more believable to me and i think it would have worked just as well right yeah or just i mean you know he he is in the movie uh, he's the paramedic and he goes he gets called to her father's uh, i don't know dead or whatever had a heart attack or whatever's (laughs) going on there i don't know um and, you know, she's obviously concerned about her father and, and he, he shows concern for her. It doesn't have to go beyond that point, right? They could have just no. become friends or he, she could have just been someone that he was concerned about. And so was kind of keeping an eye on um, when he was around the hospital and that sort of thing. And it doesn't really change much. Right. Uh, on the story. No, I, I understand what you're saying there. And I think that actually would have probably made it a better a better story. Um I didn't. I didn't hate the the romance this time around, but you're right. It, it wasn't necessary. Um, um. I also just. I. I feel like I need to come out and say this before we get too far along in this. I hate this movie. I hate it so much. I. <laughs> and it's it's weird because I feel like a lot of the movies, especially on this podcast, that I've had like this kind of passionate dislike of mm-hmm. have been movies that were done poorly and or were not for me. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like under different circumstances, I, and I don't even know what those circumstances are exactly, this feels like it could have been a cat movie. Like I felt there were enough things it was very well done there were a lot of things that i really appreciated that i thought were really interesting um that i wanted to see explored more um and i liked that it had just like a lot of very unique things going on for it so it's like on paper i I really felt like i should have come away just enjoying this i had the toughest time staying awake uh the second time through this movie i was sick (laughs) yesterday uh so it gets a pass for me actually falling asleep the first time i watched it but like watching it again last night uh, once i was awake i i had a tough time staying there like i it made me bored and uncomfortable and it's like i don't quite know why it got that reaction out of me because i can look back at it and there are so many like interesting little nuances and themes and like it feels like it should have worked but i'm having more fun talking about it now than Mm -hmm. what i was having watching it like that was just such an unpleasant viewing experience for me wow all right um i mean i love the movie uh i saw it opening night when it came out in 1999 and i loved it then and i had not seen it since um and what I remember most about it, and I think I mentioned this or sort of alluded to it on last week's episode, is I remember this being a very dark movie. Um, and it is. It is very, very dark. 
but it's also really really fucking funny (laughs) okay we're on a different page there i don't think uh i thought it was so funny like i laughed throughout this movie i i just found it endlessly entertaining um and and really funny i mean like when he was trying to get the guy to fire him and the guy's like i'll fire you tomorrow (laughs) i just love that whole interaction I, i love those conversations um I will say, uh, since I talked about Patricia Arquette being my least favorite part of the movie, his interactions trying to get fired were my favorite parts of the movie. That's uh, where the spectrum is. I, I did like those conversations. I just, there was so much that I found really funny, and it's a dark humor. It's, you know, this is, if, yeah. if Martin Scorsese were to make a dark comedy, I mean, he did make a dark comedy. He made Bringing Out the Dead. That's what I took this movie <laughs> as when I watched it this time. And I did not remember it being nearly, I, I didn't remember it being funny at all. Um, So I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I really love this movie and I'm surprised to hear that you didn't like it. Um, it feels like I should have, but it just, it doesn't work for me. Okay. Be, I Very possibly because I didn't think it was funny. Um, but there was just something about it because it's like you said that it was a really dark movie i feel that just to my core where it's like even when the things that aren't happening on screen like even when they're not as dark there's just this really downer vibe oh, yeah. that just like i was depressed watching this yeah, which this is you're this, supposed to be it was very effective and that's why i said like i can tell that it's well made because there were these strong like visceral reactions that i was having to what i was seeing that made me really uncomfortable and, and i could tell that they were supposed to but i didn't want that and there was nothing for me except for like i did kind of chuckle at the conversation with the boss but for the most part i felt like there was kind of nothing to like reel that back in like there was nothing to balance it out so i was just sad like yeah. and the the longer that went on like the more detached i became from the things about the movie that i had liked i don't know? know i mean i i thought there was a lot of like sort of dark humor in it i thought it was funny like um like like ving rames bringing that the guy back from the dead and acting like he's doing it through the power of jesus and the guy's name is ib banging i mean i just a lot of funny stuff like that i i really enjoyed the hell out of it um i thought gris was fantastic the security guard in the emergency room uh i found him really funny gris Um, was like another one of those characters where it's like where it made me feel like i should maybe be enjoying the movie more than i was because he was a great character i liked that he was kind of a constant mm -hmm. you know he recurred several times and i was always like it was always kind of a relief when he was back on the screen because it's like this isn't going to be as actively sad yeah he was constantly referring to himself in the third person (laughs) (laughs) don't make me take my sunglasses off i mean i really thought he was funny there was that one um I guess nurse in the emergency room who was always lecturing the people who were there. <laughs> I thought I thought she was funny. I um I don't know. I, I'm surprised to find that, that you didn't think this was funny because I, I laughed a lot watching this movie, a lot more than I remember laughing when I saw it for the first time in nineteen ninety nine. Um Yeah, no, this just bummed me out. <laughs> I was so sad coming out of this movie. Did your dad watch it by the by chance? No, I think I might just like he didn't see it. I I think I'm going to just buy him a Blu-ray of it though. <laughs> like this is such an on-brand movie for him. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's, and that that was a thought that I had like while I was watching it because once I like realized how sad it was making me, I was like, "Oh God, I should have watched this with Dad." Um, and it might have helped, you know, because like when you see someone else laughing at dark jokes, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you can kind of laugh at them too. Um, but no. <laughs> And no. it's a Martin Scorsese movie that clocks in at two hours, which thank God, because this guy is, I, I love Martin Scorsese. He might be our greatest living film director. Yeah. Uh, but he has gotten extremely self-indulgent as the years have gone on, you know. Um, his newest movie, Killers of the Flower Moon, clocks in at three and a half hours. And that was, you know, the movie before that was The Irishman it was four hours. I mean. And I liked The Irishman. Um, I I think if I had had, I I genuinely think if I'd had another hour to go, this might have been the first one I tapped out of. (laughs) That was one of my other complaints was that it felt so long. I felt like I had been watching this forever. Uh, Like it had felt like a three hour movie. And I was like, I have got to check the runtime like i maybe need a snack break i need to get some coffee i've got to wake myself back up i don't even really know where the story is headed and i feel like it's got to be almost done and i paused it i was 40 minutes into a two-hour film and i was like (laughs) oh fuck (laughs) like god damn it wow all right i did not expect the conversation tonight to go this way cat i i I thought for sure we were going to both be on the same page um, I was really careful not to say anything about this one coming into the episode yeah. <laughs> because I knew that this was. Yeah. And I, I try really hard not to ever ask until we start recording. <laughs> um, it, there are some movies though. Like I just like, I may have quit this podcast if you had liked Zandali. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just would have been like, clearly Kat and I are not meant to do this show together. <laughs> <laughs> no. And we've um, been on kind of like an off-balance streak. So like when have. I sat down, because I didn't feel this way at the beginning of the movie. Like I, I sat down. It's gorgeous. Um, I was buying into the premise really early in. Um, I At around the 15-minute mark of this movie... I was like, this is going to be tens across the board. I have so much faith in this. Um, and I don't really know what happened. They just like it, it spiraled out and, and made me sad. And then I, then it was like, it got harder and harder to appreciate stuff about it. The longer it went on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say one thing. I like the, the concept or the idea of he's, you know, working three straight nights and he's got a different partner each night. Like, I like that idea. Yeah, I do kind of wish it had been John Goodman for three straight nights because I did yes. enjoy them so much <laughs> uh, together. And it's I think this is the first time we've seen them together since Raising Arizona. Yeah. Um, and I do, you know, look, it's John Goodman. I love seeing John Goodman. Right. I, I'll never complain about that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I thought this was a really strong movie. I love Martin Scorsese. Have you seen Killers of the Flower Moon? I haven't yet. Oh, OK, it is three and a half hours long, but it's very good. I have hopes for it. And that's the thing is that I, for the most part, I really do like Scorsese. Like I, Mm -hmm. uh, I had really high hopes for this. It just, uh, so I'm, I'm as baffled as you are that I didn't like this one. Yeah. I don't don't understand what's going on. Um, I did notice again in this movie, Martin Scorsese, I said, might be our greatest living filmmaker. His greatest talent might be the fact that he never, ever misses with a needle drop. He always finds the exact perfect yes. song for his movies. And he does it again throughout this entire film. And it's, it is a 
talent because it's not distracting. Yeah. Like it always fits in so smoothly. Um yeah. so great. And he's got that Van Morrison song that's playing and oh it's just so good. Right at the beginning, I was like, Oh yeah, this is Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as that as soon as that dropped in. Um all right, Kat. Well, I, I'm super surprised that you didn't like this one as much as I did. Um, yeah. Even more surprised, baffled even, that you didn't find it funny. No, I did not find this funny. Um, I think if I... It, and it's... I think you have to find it funny um, if you're going to enjoy it. Because otherwise, it is just so bleak. Like, and it's it's one of those things where, like, as a dark comedy, that works really well. Because it's like, here's all the social commentary where we're going to be real sad, you know. But you're going to kind of laugh about how dumb people are, you know. Mm -hmm. And this, for me, was like, oh, man. This just, it made me lose faith in humanity a lot. Which I already don't have that much of. Maybe maybe there's just something wrong with me that I found it really funny because this is, I think, maybe the only movie that's ever made me laugh at a dead baby. Oh, God. Yeah, that <laughs> would. And so and that's the other thing, too, is that, like, I just I related so strongly to that feeling of, like, being on a bad streak. Yeah. You know, that, like, when and I, I could. I could see how maybe amplifying it to that degree could have been humorous, but I was like, I was just mortified when one it's, of the twins died. Like I was like, this is so too much. It's so funny because he's so down about being on a, on a bad streak and he just so badly wants to save someone. And then this woman's giving birth to twins and Tom Sizemore's like, Hey, mine's a healthy baby boy. How about yours? <laughs> I, so Rob, I wanted to cry. I was so <laughs> distraught. And then, like, they're in the, they're drinking in the ambulance. And yes. that was another thing that really just, like, I think there were times where I had kind of wished this was a horror movie. <laughs> like, which I feel that all the time about everything that I watch. But it was really, there were a couple of times that were really prominent because I could it just this had such a purgatory feel to it yes, you know yes, it does. where like because he's trying so hard to get fired which was one of like the funnier conversations that he has mm -hmm. like with his boss um but then like there were times where even that thread got really dark because they're like they're drinking in the ambulance uh the one guy uh young who's having a good time uh at his job because he's on a high streak you know he has like a full like bar oh, yes. basically <laughs> that he keeps in the duffel bag as he's driving the ambulance and it's just like and again there was just that feeling of hopelessness where it's like they could do anything and he's just not gonna get fired <laughs> like he's just stuck here forever and then he's in the car accident and he just like climbs out of the car and he's expected to go back to work yeah, what <laughs> like what I liked I just, about that scene is, it was one point he he says he's this is the last time you're doing this to me, as I, if this is something that's happened multiple times. <laughs> I know. And then there's the guy, and then he leaves uh, like at the end, and the guy's just like beating up the ambulance, and the other one has already been wrecked, and it's like <laughs> I just this is so. <laughs> So all of that bleak. made me laugh all of oh that made God. me laugh yeah this might it, be a you problem <laughs> it might be like when he's in the back of the ambulance and he's giving himself a shot of whatever and he's got like that mask thing on and he's holding the drip thing <laughs> and he oh. comes back up to the front it's so funny 
like I guess I just I don't know. Oh, I mean, you're not I, right. <laughs> I, I identify, I guess, with that sort of just being stuck and feeling like there's nothing you can do. I've been there before. And so now I can just look at it and, and find the humor in it, I guess. I don't know. Um, Maybe it was a bad week to watch it. I because <laughs> uh, Last week, I, I had kind of a very similar situation with my boss, where I was like, you can fire me if you have to. And he was like, we're not firing you. <laughs> Take a week <laughs> off. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, I'm pissed. Yeah, I mean, maybe, he's, I'm, maybe I'm still there a little bit too maybe. much to find this funny. Maybe in like another five years, <laughs> I, I can revisit bringing out the dead and see if it's not funnier than. But yeah, I just oh man, it it was sad. <laughs> just yeah, I mean this this poor guy just cannot catch a break. But then there's also great moments. I mean, like I like when um the drug dealer guy I don't remember his name is like impaled on that railing. And they're cutting it open and you're uh, trying to cut the, the railing down and you see the sparks flying out in front of the Empire State Building and then which eventually turns into fireworks uh, that they added, obviously. But and he's just like, I love this city. It's so beautiful. And stuff. I, there's something poignant about that moment that I really like that this guy's on death's door and he's still finding something to enjoy and something beautiful to look at. Okay, so it, it is an outlook issue because I was watching that scene and I was just like horrified and traumatized that the people below are like hoping for him to die. Like, yes. <laughs> that yes. just, that was my takeaway from that scene because it's just like so, and and also again, the performances in this subtle, maybe is the word, but there was like, there was just kind of an ennui that everybody had where it was like, it because even when he was talking about like how beautiful the city was, I was not sure if he meant that or if that was like some kind of sarcasm. I felt like, like everyone in here was I, really understated. Yeah, I don't know why. I felt like he meant it. Um, and I get what you're saying about the people below, but that's just, I mean, honestly, people are awful. We're awful creatures, humans. <laughs> That could have been the title of this movie, honestly. <laughs> like, people are awful. And and it is... The one thing that I can say about this, that it was really nice to see um, in relation to doing like a Nick Cage podcast, is that we have seen a lot recently of Nick Cage being like the goody two-shoes character. Um, and it was nice to see not that in such a stark contrast. But it was frustrating because it was like there were I, and maybe it's just because we have seen him in that role so much recently there mm -hmm. was this part of me that was like it, it's not even like being a goody two-shoes it's just like he's in this job where he's supposed to help people you know and we have these moments where and i think the relationship aspect kind of threw this off where we see these like moments where he's going above and beyond for Patricia Arquette. And it's just, it's in such like a devastating contrast to how he handles all the other patients, yeah. you know, and we can see him getting better with some people, but then he gets worse with other people. And it just like, it's, <laughs> I did not know from one scene to the next, like what kind of mood Nick Cage was going to be in. And I, I appreciate that it didn't ramp up to anything because I really did. I, I was waiting. I, I was waiting 
expectantly and hopefully for like that full-on nick cage meltdown which is one thing that i was like at least we're gonna get that out of this performance and we didn't really not really know which i think makes it more (laughs) i i missed it i think it would have really impacted my enjoyment of the film if we'd had one of those crazy you brought up zandali and it's like i i hate giving credit to zandali but we did get one of those meltdowns and it was very satisfying yeah. like this I, is the perfect movie for that um yeah i think that i was satisfied enough with what we did get and that was the stuff that scorsese did with the camera um where like there are some scenes where the nick cage character is clearly going out of his mind but they're all running fast like fast forward almost yes so we don't get the full effect of the breakdown but we can tell that this character is not doing okay (laughs) we can tell and it's you know and it's one of the reasons why i'm not more mad um about not getting that breakdown but i do think it was really interesting to to cast nick cage in this because I think that's the one part of this he could have, like, delivered most believably, and then he didn't have to slash get to, which was a very, like, uh, and I think it was more believable. Like, it made it a more grounded experience, but that just, but which, from a cinema standpoint, um, like, from a critical eye, I, I think that makes it a better film. But it also makes it so much less the kind of film that I went in wanting to see. But but when you say grounded, you mean grounded in like a hilarious way. I don't mean grounded in a hilarious way. (laughs) I I mean it in like a, we don't get to have in life, we don't get to have just like one meltdown where we put, you know, paint all over our face and our (laughs) underwear and then have everything go back to normal. Like... Yeah. Um, we just have to deal with the living pressures. And again, that's, it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, and I do, like you said, I, it is nice to finally see him not be like sort of a squeaky clean character. I mean, yeah. I guess his character in Snake Eyes isn't squeaky clean at all. No, but he does but kind of have a redemption arc yeah, where he goes out of his way to be the squeaky clean. <laughs> yeah. And it's, but it's a different kind of not squeaky clean, right? Like he's, I mean, this guy, this is like a basic common decency failure character. <laughs> yeah, this guy is just, he's, his biggest flaw really is that he's just breaking down mentally. Yeah. Like he just can't keep it together. Um, whereas, you know, in Snake Eyes, he was just a corrupt cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, two very different things. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I don't think you watched the movie right, Cat. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't um, Maybe I didn't. <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. It's the funniest or maybe, movie Nicolas Cage has ever been in. Or maybe you aren't watching it right. Maybe <laughs> this is not a comedy at all. I do want to point out, it is listed as a psychological drama. Uh-huh. Which, uh, just for reference, for the, view, for the listeners at home. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean... I get it, but I I found it really funny, and I have I have a hard time be- believing <laughs> that a movie that was that funny wasn't at least intending some of it to be funny. <laughs> um, I don't have really anything else for bringing out the dead. Is there anything else you want to talk about, or should we get into the bees? Um, I will say I this was based off of a book that I kind of I I don't want to read the book. Uh, we're not going to go full Rumblefish here. I am kind of curious. <laughs> 
to learn more about the book because it does just feel again like this would be really bleak <laughs> like maybe it's listed as a dark comedy maybe it's listed as <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what's going on yeah but no uh, i i think i'm out of things to say about the movie it, it, right. you could theoretically if you wanted to just talk about this movie forever because it is fascinating like the structure and the characters um like there are a lot of really interesting choices it is very much like a Scorsese film in that regard. Uh, mm -hmm. It was just an experience that didn't work for me. Uh, I was also not a huge fan of the dialogue. Um, there were lines that were really good, but mm -hmm. some of the interaction, especially, uh, again, this was more of a Patricia Arquette-based um, moment, but like some of the lines of dialogue drove me up the wall. It was like, this is not how people talk. And mm -hmm. I just... <laughs> All right. Well, um, are you ready to get into the bees? Yes. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! We give each movie uh, two scores. The first is a Nicolas Cage score. That is um, a score not only for Nicolas Cage's performance, but the film's use of Nicolas Cage. And then the second score is a score for the film overall. Kat, what do you give Bringing Out the Dead for a Nick Cage score? Um, this was really, really hard for me to judge. Um, and I'm not real confident on where I landed. I I've given this a six. I was underwhelmed by his performance. I felt like they were asking him to do too much. I felt like I spent a really long time with this character and, and didn't really understand what was going on. I think a lot of those were script issues and not Nick Cage issues, but we do also judge on... Uh, like, I think he did well with what he was supposed to be doing, but I, I question whether or not it was the best use of Nick Cage. Okay. Um, so that's kind of where I landed. I feel like I could go higher because I think he did. I, I think this was a near impossible task that they gave him. And, and there are moments where he really lands it, you know, mm -hmm. but. Okay. I, I think a six. All right. Um, I think that the thing that hurt this for me most um honestly is is that we got the segment or the the portion of the film with john goodman as his partner up front um yes because then we got diminishing returns with the chemistry with the other characters along the way um but i thought overall he gave a really strong performance um i think that the movie used him fairly well other than that one misstep i i gave it a seven I don't okay. think it's by far the the best performance or, or the best use of Nicolas Cage that we've seen, but I thought it was pretty solid. Uh, what do you give Bringing Out the Dead as a film? Uh, this again, might be where we fight. Uh, this might be where we fight. Um, I'm going to be kinder to Bringing Out the Dead than you were to City of Angels, though, so if that, does, no. if that means anything. Um, <laughs> I... I, if we were doing like critical scores, I feel like I could have gone pretty high with this one. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want my score to deter other people from watching this movie. I think if you're a, like a diehard Nick Cage fan, I think if you're a Scorsese fan, um, I, I think if you're <laughs> a dark comedy question mark or really <laughs> horrendously sad thriller fan uh this could be for you like i i think you should i think everyone listening should watch it because critically like it is 
well executed on a lot of levels but just based off of like and, and that was the one thing that saved it um that like saved the score at all but just for me this was such an unpleasant viewing experience i, I there was not anything really other than like offlines um that i liked about this like I, it made me sad and tired and uh I, I gave it a four anyway okay uh but i'm never going like <laughs> i don't think i ever want to see this again <laughs> this was and it's weird because it's like there are movies on here that i've rated lower that i would watch again um if someone asked me to you know mm -hmm. but man this one was uncomfortable. <laughs> All right. Um, so I, um, this movie is one that Nicolas Cage recently said that um, he wishes more people would revisit because he felt like it was overlooked. Um, I agree with him. I do think this is an overlooked movie, both for Nicolas Cage and Martin Scorsese. Um, not a lot of people talk about this movie. I don't think a lot of people based on the box office, not a lot of people saw it either. <laughs> um, it is, um, I don't know, some might call it sad, some might call it hilarious. Um, <laughs> I, I think I found it to be a strong mixture of the two, um, because there were very um, sad moments throughout the movie, but also I, very, very laugh-out-loud funny moments as well for me. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. It is one that, uh, if I could find the Blu-ray, I would purchase, but I cannot find it anywhere. Um, I, uh, I'm giving it an 8.5. Ooh, that is high it's high That's... it's high but i really really enjoyed this movie and i have said for years that i really like this movie it's it's not like it comes as a massive surprise to me i just hadn't rewatched it in 25 years <laughs> so this is like this is our reverse rumble fish i feel like yeah yeah this movie um... kind of uh speaks to me in a way it doesn't to you i guess but we talked about this too um, in the Leaving Las Vegas episode, when I talked about how that used to be my favorite movie of all time, and yeah. there's something about um, movies that deal with broken people that appeal to me. Um, yeah. That movie more so than this one, because I really like stories about two broken people coming together um, and not necessarily trying to fix each other, but just being there for each other. That, that really appeals to me in some weird way. Um, this movie though is very much about a guy who just cannot keep it together no matter what he does. And he wants so bad. He's just looking for that break somewhere and he can't find it. Yeah. Um, and there's something about that kind of story that really appeals to me. So, uh, yeah, it's just, this is a movie that's made for me and it's Scorsese. I mean, I like Scorsese. And it is really well made. If that sounds like a movie, um, that appeals to you at all i do highly recommend you watch it um i might judge you a little bit for laughing as much as rob did i thought we were going to come in here and talk about how hilarious this movie was. that is crazy to me <laughs> i right. i did have a feeling going in that you were going to really like that. i probably leaving las vegas was a good like tip off you know because mm -hmm. it does have that same kind of character arc um and I, <laughs> but i so i had a feeling that we were going to come in here and be on opposite sides of the spectrum but i did not think the term hilarious was going to be thrown around today all right all right well maybe i should talk to somebody about that i don't i don't know. <laughs> uh, i found it to be extremely funny so that um that is bringing out the dead 
Uh, next week, Kat, we are going to be talking about the 2000 film Gone in 60 Seconds. Have you seen Gone in 60 Seconds? I feel like I have, but I don't remember it at all. So. Uh, they, yeah, they go around stealing a bunch of cars. Um, yeah. <laughs> I saw this one, I don't even remember how many years ago. Uh, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago. Um, I, I was in a hotel and I just was relaxing before going out to do something that night. And um, I turned on the TV and this was just starting. And I was like, oh, what the hell? I've never seen this. Um, I really enjoyed it then. I don't know if uh, the, you know, just mindless sitting in a hotel to kill time watching it uh, made me enjoy it more than sitting down to watch it for a show like this uh, or not. But I guess I'll find out soon enough. Um, looking forward to, to watching it, though. I did enjoy it the first time I saw it. Uh, Kat, right. where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at cat underscore velour, pretty much everywhere else at cat velour. You can check out my website, catvelour.com, and you can check out the other show that Rob and I do where we talk about horror movies that, that are meant to be bleak sometimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> some of them are hilarious. <laughs> some of them are also hilarious, though. Uh, and that's Slasher Radio, wherever you're listening to the Nick F. and Woo Cage cast. That's right. And um, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Radio Rob 123 and make sure you join us next week when we talk about Gone in 60 Seconds on the Nick F and Woo Cagecast.